Uh, Father, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we get to learn about him and we get to have the privilege of having the Holy Spirit that helps us to um, discern, to learn, to, to see all the different angles of the Holy Father, and to be able to understand how that relates to us, how much you love us and how much you've given for us. And God, I just pray that you would be glorified and magnified through this, this lesson, Lord. Uh, these things, I pray this every week. Um, these, are, these are danger zones for us to be prone to be pharisaical, um, to look at what a cultural Christian is and what churches do and to say, oh, well, we, we do this so good, good for us, um, and, and we can fall right into sin. And Lord, I just pray that you would protect our hearts from this as we, we look at this, this topic. Um, it's something we shouldn't avoid just to avoid complete risk of sin, but we need to be in it and we need to look at it. But Lord, protect us while we do. We just pray that you would help us in these areas this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So I will highlight this at the end of the session, but just in case we run out of time. Um, this is the last of this kind of four series of, when we're talking about the cultural Christian, um, of, of the church's impact on cultural Christianity. So today is the last of four. We're going on break for three weeks, uh, which I'm so sad about. Um, I will miss all you guys deeply. So, <laughs> uh, so for pretty much throughout December, especially you, maybe we can get together and talk about stuff. Yeah. Um, January 7th, we'll pick Sunday school back up, and then we're still on the unsaved Christian, but now we're going to be shifting to the gospel. I wanted to do a three-week series on the gospel, gospel assurance, the gospel calling, um, gospel warnings. We've been spending so many weeks talking about cultural Christianity, and all of that has come down to the gospel missing, right, or the gospel not being understood. So I wanted to make sure that we spent time towards the tail end of this series on, well, what is the gospel? What is the call of God? What does regeneration look like in a Christian, uh, especially when we're we're talking about cultural Christianity versus born-again believers. So that'll be three weeks uh, in this study starting in January. And that's what we'll be tackling next. And I expect this, this whole session probably will be over. I say probably because there's a few things I'm um, juggling here. Um, but most likely February, maybe mid-February, that we'll be done with the series. And I'm excited for the next one, too. So I've been kind of planning that one. All right, so last few weeks we've been looking at how the church impacts cultural Christianity. We've talked about church membership. That was the first week. Uh, we talked about holiday outreach, specifically Easter and Christmas, um, the impact of those types of services. And then last week we talked about how invitations and altar calls are done. Again, highlighting that they're not a bad thing in and of themselves, but depends on how they're done, um, whether or not that can incubate cultural Christianity. And we're learning, of course, that the local church can be an incubator of cultural Christianity, or it can be a remedy for it. We want it to be a remedy for it, because as we've learned, it, it, it's all over America. I mean, this is, if we identify it as a religion, which we have, then this is probably the, the biggest religion in America today, is cultural Christianity. Uh, so this week, we're going over uh, the fourth method here, and it's concerning home groups and preaching. And so 
the focus of this lesson is not so much me discussing the importance of home groups. Um, this is not a you know, specific focus on, hey, this is why home groups are important. This is why we do them here at GCF. Um, that would be a whole different separate Sunday school on its own. We're going to continue kind of this theme where we're, we're looking at home groups and how they're done, how they function, and whether or not you know, it's setting people up for success in terms of spiritual growth or um, cultural Christianity. So I have a quick little intro video here to, to help set the mood. Let's see if this works. Maybe. Maybe not. Let me go turn it on back here on the computer. Yeah. Or just advance the slide, if you don't mind. There you go. And Nate, can you unmute that, buddy? Thanks. Advance the slide uh, one more time, Jeremy. There you go. Are you tired of small groups always getting into your business? Trying to get you to share your feelings, especially the past and sins? Are you just looking for a place to kick it? Network. Maybe get some free love. Me too. That's why I created what I believe to be the world's first openly shallow small group. We're not here to deal with messy stuff like feelings and emotions. You got problems? You deal with that. You're an adult. Life ain't easy. So stop the pity party. We all have our issues. We don't really want to do life together. Frankly, a shallow small group can try not to do much of anything at all. You'll never hear us use the term unpack that thought. We're sure it's packed away for a really good reason. You'll never hear us use the term accountability unless you're talking about someone who deals with others. Hey, dude, thanks for doing my taxes. Hey, you have great accountability and spiritual growth. Who wants growth? I had a growth removed last week. There's no pressure here to remember each other's name. Oh, hey, man. Oh, dude. That's the important thing. Group discussion. You've got tickets to the big game. Sweet. Let's spend some time on that. Oh, you and your wife are struggling financially. There's tension in the relationship. That's uh, not really the Bible we're going for. We don't want conflict like the plague. <laughs> and there will never, ever be an awkward silence. That's our guarantee to you. We hate that theology as much as the next guy. And we know the surest way to prevent that theology is to avoid theology altogether. And outreach? This is the only outreach you'll ever have to do. Some people say we're superficial. But hey, the word super isn't superficial. Who doesn't want to be super? Shallow small group. Because when things get too deep, people drown. Won't you join us? <laughs> so, that's obviously a parody. Don't want anyone walking away being like, what was that? What church is that? <laughs> um, so yeah, home groups, this is a parody for a reason. Everyone can relate to it in some way, shape, or form. It's because home groups are really, really popular among churches. Tons of churches do home groups. And uh, again, I, I didn't want to spend too much time on this lesson talking about the importance of home groups and really fighting for why we should do them. I, I'm operating this morning with that as the assumption that we, we all know Home groups are important. And so if a church isn't doing home groups, that's a whole other, a whole other issue on its own. Um, they come with many names, right? Community groups, 
small groups, home groups, uh, life groups, called all different things. And uh, they're mainly used with the idea to foster church community. They were, you know, church uh, leadership, pastors want to have home groups in their church to help build up the community, make sure it's strong, and for personal support. Make sure that people have, you know, networks of folks within the church. Now, think about this, though, in context of really large churches. So Rick Warren of Saddleback has, I think he said, 7,000 home groups in his church. Now, this is a whole different model, mind you. So they're not the way we do home groups, and we'll get into this a bit in the lesson, but 7,000 home groups. Um, how do you manage that? And right off the bat, you, you can't, right? So their view of home groups is more um, self-starting. It's almost in a way like a franchise, right? You're going to buy the Subway franchise, and it, it's up to you to get everything going and moving. And, and so they're looking for people to just start up their home group and, um, and kind of lead through that. And we'll, we'll pick this apart a little bit. Um, so, yeah, so just because something has the label home group, life group, small group, we have to really make sure this morning as we're talking about this that we're not just picturing one thing and thinking that that's what it is across all the churches. It's, it's the same word, but it can look very different. So curious of you in the room here, how many of you have been involved in some sort of home group, not here at GCF, but in previous churches? Yeah, almost all of you, okay. And what are some of the differences? Just share some of the differences you can highlight between multiple churches, however many churches you've been to, and home groups you visited versus ones that you're currently in now. What are some of the things that stand out? What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Okay. And these are things you experienced at previous, okay, home group social hour? Okay. No, Wednesday this week. Oh, yeah. I'm like, who's your home group leader? Uh, <laughs> what else? Oh, really? Okay, so they group by age. What was, like, the range? Like, you know, mid-20s, or single, mm, Okay. They're specifically kind of grouped off with, mm-hmm. okay. Well, do you remember, was that something that was, like, op- like you get to kind of pick from a list what you want to be in, or they would place you? No, if you were asked. Oh, Okay. What else? We don't have any awkward silence here at GCS Sunday School, so. Um, Okay, so there's several different ways home groups can be structured and function, right? And um, even here in some some of these differences, there's a ton of differences I can think of from our previous home groups. the social aspect was, was a big one. Also, the curriculum or the content we went through was, was very different. It was more just kind of as a group, we would decide what we wanted to do. And it most of the time never followed through. <laughs> it would kind of fizzle out. Um, so they were kind of all over the place there. Um, in fact, when we first started coming here, it was, it was, it was almost, I, don't want to, I was going to use the word scary. It wasn't scary, but it was like, whoa, they take this very serious here. So uh, right off the bat, there was a big dif- difference there. Um, so instead of looking at um, 
going through kind of the unhealthy ways home groups are structured around first. Uh, I want to do this backwards this week and, and go through kind of healthy ways of doing home group. Um, and then we'll work backwards from there. I thought that would be a, a little more helpful for this specific topic. Um, and to be clear, my intention here is not to secretly like say, hey, GCF's formula for home groups are the best. You know, we got it. We got it dialed in. Everyone should do what we do. Uh, that's not at all what this is for. The point of focus is more, it's, it's bigger, big, big church picture of what we should be all aiming for in home groups. Like what's the purpose of Christ's children, you know, the saints being in home group? And I'm not saying that this is the answer and we've nailed it here at GCF, but we're going to look a little more just broader um, that allows other churches to move about the cabin within those healthy categories, if that makes sense. It's not going to be super specific of, well, they should meet on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. That, you know, creates healthy Christians. <laughs> it won't be that specific. Um, and home groups, they're, they're important, too. They're necessary. And we see them all throughout the New Testament scriptures, Acts, specifically Acts chapter 2. Uh, we see the saints sharing meals with each other in their homes. In fact, church, you know, church took a while to even be built. This concept of, of gathering in a church and, and doing worship like we do today. A lot of the times for decades, people met in homes, right? They would worship in homes. And there are church leaders that look at that still today and say that that's the model. Um, Saddleback is one of those. Rick Warren really is huge on people met in homes. They did church in homes. Well, we should do that too. Um, and so not throwing the baby out with the bathwater there. That is a healthy model. We, we do that. We want to meet in homes, but we don't want it to replace the Sunday gathering at church. That's very, very important. Uh, but we see people taking communion, uh, praying together. Uh, they would read the apostles' letters, and they would discuss them you know, with one another, and they would challenge one another to keep running the race. They would challenge each other in the faith, especially in light of all the persecution that they were facing of being this new religion that, um, you know, was really strange to people. So with that said, the, the means to foster a healthy home group really should be, and I have this on your chart on your notes, under fellowship. I, I broke it down in these four things, discipleship, prayer, connection, and accountability. Discipleship, prayer, connection and accountability. These, these could be looked at as, as some of the pieces that make up the word fellowship that we're familiar with, right? So the aim of our home group, the, the rhythms that we're trying to establish, the goal of home groups should be fellowship. What's a good way to define fellowship? Anybody have any thoughts there? What is fellowship? Building relationship. Building relationship. Mm -hmm. I think it was uh, Rondi, and I used it in a sermon too. She, I, I always steal her definition because it was very simple. Simple definitions are great, right? It's sharing the Christian life with one another. That's a great way we can look at fellowship because it involves relationships. It involves lots of different things, and we're going to look at that here in a little bit. But the best way we can define fellowship is sharing the Christian life with one another, right? That specifically means no isolation. That, 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 that totally combats that notion of, well, it's my personal relationship. You don't have any business knowing because it's just me and God right now. Fellowship completely combats that. Um, 
theology or more it's a philosophy, I guess. And it's doing life with other Christians. And that encompasses discipleship, prayer, connection, and accountability. And this is the reason why this word kind of hits the nail on the head, right? It's a, it provides a well-rounded balance that Christians need in order to grow spiritually. And that's the aim. We want to grow spiritually. So is a home group just a Bible study? No. Should we study the Bible in home group? Yes, absolutely. Is home group just for prayer? Could be some nights, right? But should we be praying in home group? Absolutely. Is home group a social hour? No. Should we socialize and maybe spend a little extra time to just get to know one another and, and have fun and talk? Yes, absolutely. I do that a lot. If, if you know, 645 rolls around, and that's usually when we start, and people are just in the kitchen chatting, and sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm just going to let this go for a while. This, this looks good, and people are getting to know one another, so that's great. Is home groups just a means to provide community and help and aid, like you're going to move, so you need a, a group of people to help you move houses. Or you're sick and you need someone to bring you soup. Is it just that? No, but this is a wonderful thing to have in home group, right? So these are components that are great, but they just one of them, they shouldn't single-handedly be what home group is. Healthy home groups need to have all of these, right? They need to encompass all of these things, and that's why we're saying fellowship is the aim which includes, but it's not limited to, discipleship, right? We're learning the Bible. We're engaging our brains altogether. We're looking at things that challenge us, challenge us, but we're, we're learning. That's the ticket there. Prayer. So what a great way to care for one another, right? Um, to pray on behalf of people, to know where they're at so you can bring them soup and help them out. Connection. Uh, so this is where the socializing comes in, building meaningful relationships with your brothers and sisters in Christ, creating these environments where you can invite people that don't go to the church, you know, on the nights that you guys share a meal or something and have them come in. Uh, accountability, exposing sin and combating isolation. Accountability is a big one, and we'll see here in a bit that it's one thing that's probably one of the first ones thrown out often when home groups are done for obvious reasons. Great. So home groups should have fellowship. Okay, awesome, done, easy, and every church would probably agree with this. They would say, yep, no, we do fellowship. That's fantastic. But yet cultural Christianity continues to be incubated through home groups who say that they have this fellowship. So my question is, is where are the disconnects? How can this be? Any thoughts there? Yeah. Yeah. What does it mean, right? Well, you took the, the perfect answer, so. <laughs> Anyone else have any thoughts, though, on that? Where any disconnects are. The church is like, no, we have home groups. We love fellowship. That's our aim. Really comes down to that definition, doesn't it? So let's do a quick exercise here on... We'll do uh, fellowship versus, quote, fellowship. This will be helpful, I think, to outline how 
these can be perceived as different. So either category, just let me know. We'll call this category A and B since they're the same word. What are some of the, the differences here? Yeah. Culture. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. What else? Yeah. We'll call this isolation again, right? I'm going to put one here. It's not bad, but I think it can often, right? Now, can this be fellowship? How so? <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. true. <laughs> true. You give me a hockey puck burger, I ain't no fellowship. I don't know if a person's really watching because that's that one. Everybody else is so sorry. Amen. I feel that pain too, Jack. You and I, the only ones that would know that pain. Over a hot grill, sweating, everyone's having fun. You're just trying to feed them. Yeah. Yeah. No, barbecues can be fellowship. It's all about this stuff, though, that's taking place, right? But I think this is a big one that often is misunderstood weekly, right? Like every week we're doing fellowship because we're, we're hanging out, right? Um, yeah. Sharing burdens is a real fellowship. Okay, sharing burdens. Yeah. And a lot of this too, Lizzie, I like that one because a lot of this too is there's almost like a um, – like, you're leading this. You're not being asked, right? It's not like someone has to pry it out of you. You're, you're coming, and that's being vulnerable, right? You're, you're coming with, hey, I have something I need to share or I need prayer for, um, versus just sitting and waiting for the question and then giving that short answer. Yeah, Marissa? I think that what people need to do is focus on your Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. If I hear you correctly, I'm just going to put this ends that night, maybe. Like you share it and it's like, oh, great. I'm sorry to hear that. Where this, this could be more of a walking out, right? Yeah, that's a good one. Anything else you can think of? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I'll put what's in focus. Let's go in, Darcy. So on the other hand, yeah. Sometimes 
Yeah, that's a really, really good point. That can we can unpack that quite a bit. <laughs> Oops, that's not others. That's me focused. Got an eraser. Okay. No, that's a really good point because then this um, this leads into I'm not going to go tonight. I don't really like that couple that's newer, or uh, I don't really get much out of that. They're not going to miss me if I don't show up, right? Others. Focus, okay. Yeah, that's a really good point. Any last ones here? Yeah, Steve. I think we found that um, a LP fellowship fosters an expectation of growth versus growing the surface and connection. Mm -hmm. So when you have this, an expectation of yeah, that's a really good one. We're going to talk about that too. The expectations, right? And you said grow. Yep. And this one's kind of just cruise control, or maybe not even that expectation. Yeah, Kim. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I would agree. And um, Steve, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Expectations, that could mean so many different things, right? Uh, but that really is. Is it, what are the expectations of this group? Um, and that will flow right into where we're gonna go here next. Um, so we established that home groups are helpful, meaningful ways to, to grow believers to spiritual maturity. We wanna see growth, we want that to happen. Um, we established that the focus of home groups is fellowship. We want fellowship, that's discipleship, prayer, connection, accountability. We wanna see those things happening. But we've established that there is a disconnect here, right, of what this word fellowship means. And I really think this is the crux of the issue is we're throwing this word around, but it means very different things. Um, so now we're going to look at four areas where uh, I call it the battleground that are typically the battleground when it comes to these disconnects here. And these are very important aspects of home groups that can either incubate this cultural Christianity or help to combat it. Okay, so I have these four things listed on your note sheet there. Uh, the first one is the home group leader. Always start with the leadership, right? 
the home group leader. So we're going to focus in on the home group leader here. Um, churches have varying degrees of expectations when it comes to who home group leaders are and what they are accountable to and what they should be doing, um, especially when it comes to their involvement with church leadership. When we're looking at bigger churches, this becomes more and more complicated, right? If you have 7,000 home groups, now, I'm not thinking that, you know, the lead pastor is the one managing this. So you do this rightly. You, you hire people, obviously, who, whose sole job is just to manage home groups. But still, it, you would have to hire so many people to just really be hands-on and make sure that they're engaged. So it, things just spin out of control really quickly the, the more you grow, and it gets more complicated. Um, so I've listed some areas here that are common to, to fostering cultural Christianity or helping to combat it when it comes to the leader. Um, a here, lack of training or shepherding from church leadership. I would say this is probably one of the biggest ones, and this is where basic expectations from the church leadership down to the leader aren't set. The leader has really maybe no idea what the expectations are of their role as a home group leader. And then you think about how can they be equipped then to handle hard conversations or to navigate every home group we run into those things where there's there's someone says something or something happens where you have to navigate through that with the group. Um, and training really helps with that. So if there's no robust training uh, or training at all with new home group leaders, then you're not able to really properly equip them to handle these. Um, part of lack of training or shepherding is also a pulse check. How does leadership know what's going on in these groups? Um, again, if you, have, if you have hundreds of groups, who's coming in and checking in and making sure that these are you know, running in accordance with what the church leadership's vision is. Um, B, lack of theological or even biblical knowledge within the home group leader. Unfortunately, this, this, is, this is common. Um, there are, I was a home group leader probably when I shouldn't have been um, over a decade ago. And if you have a home group leader leading a home group, we're not to say that you need to have a degree, right, <laughs> in biblical studies and uh, theology. Um, but it, it, it probably does help to have at least a, a, a 101, you know, understanding of the gospel, of Christian things. So that's a big one. Um, this fosters, this, this ends up leading into group think, right? If the leader can't navigate through a conversation, especially when doctrine starts kind of coming up, well, this then leads to just blind leading the blind, you know? Well, I think this means this, and... I think this means that. And there's no one there to help kind of guide it back to Scripture and the truth, which is our authority. Um, this brings risk to what's being said or taught. And again, if leadership's not checking in on this, then how do we know what's being said? Um, one of the home groups we were in long, long time ago, uh, tithing came up. It wasn't even the topic. It just came up. And this was a big group of people. And it, it just went around the circle. Some people are like, oh, no, you don't have to tithe. I don't think you have to tithe. It's fine. And some people are like, oh, no, you do, and you need to give everything. You need to just give all your money because that's what Jesus would do. And then some people are like, oh, no, it's 15%. Some people are like, it's 2%. And the majority, surprisingly, of the group ended up landing on you don't have to tithe. You can give to parachurch organizations if you want. Just be a good person and give. Be generous. But there is no set amount or anything because that's just a work. And that's kind of where the conversation stopped. <laughs> You know, it's a very unhealthy place to be. And the leader, which was probably me at that time. No, I don't think it was. But 
was not there to help navigate through that, right? Is the home group leader aligned with the church theologically? This is another big one. What if the home group leader has very, I don't know, very liberal thoughts on a specific doctrine? And it, it's 100%, it could be any different than the church's stance on that. Well, how do you know that? How do you know that that leader has that view on that specific area until it comes up? And now you have a home group leader that's kind of giving their thoughts on this specific area to your church people, and that's kind of under the radar, right? So knowing a home group should obviously have a leader, um, what are ways that come to mind, or maybe ways that, you, you, you can ex uh, that you've experienced, that you can share, where you've seen some of these things play out uh, with a home group leader in your past? Or areas that can maybe foster a cultural Christianity that I didn't cover. The last church we were at a long time ago, the leader didn't like the feel of a Bible study and he wanted more of a community pulpit. Hmm. So there was very little opening God's word and it was more how do we go and serve. Okay, yeah. So it was just a total shift. Of Interesting. Not stuffing, stuffing your head. Okay, I'm flipping this again, guys. Be very high tech. There we go. We don't uh, spare any expense here at GCF. You said something, Annie, that made me want to write this down. Okay, so this is a very, very common thing here. Um, again, a mixture is great. We want, we want a balance. Everything in life should have balance, right? And this is the, that area that should too. But yeah, it's, it seems like it's either one or the other a lot. And the problem with this is when we're talking about leadership is this is up to the leader most of the time, right? Hey, we're going to read this, uh, you know, we're going to read this book by, I don't know, Beth Moore or whatever, and we're going to do it as a group. Uh, they pick the curriculum if, if they're doing this. And if they're doing this, then they typically are looking at, at that as like, well, this is what you go to church for, right? And we're just going to go out and serve. That's what Jesus does. And that's great. We should be doing that. It's, it's, one, it's fun to serve as a home group. And, um, you know, go just be a blessing to other people. But it can't be the only thing. So I'm glad you brought that up. What else? Any other experiences? Yeah. Somebody I know at their church home group they wanted to bring up doctrine, and the home group leader very quickly shut down the conversation because they expressed that it would only cause division to discuss things like irresistible grace mm -hmm. or limited atonement. Mm -hmm. He said, this is just far too divisive. We will not go there. Mm -hmm. Didn't want to talk scriptures, didn't want to look at it, feel it out at all. Mm -hmm. Just shut it down. Yeah. I've, I've heard that on multiple uh, accounts as well, Lizzie. Because we don't want to break up the community, right? Um, and, and I don't know, maybe if it is a shallow home group, maybe that's a good thing. Because if you have a bunch of people who, who aren't reading their Bibles anyway, you probably don't want them talking theology. <laughs> it's probably going to end up being a mess. They're just sharing YouTube videos with each other probably at that point. Nate.
Yeah. Home group leader that doesn't pursue personal holiness or, or love their people. Yeah. Yeah, and, and interesting too. I remember when we were leading a home group for a while um, in our old church, it was, it was kind of during the season I started growing more in the word. And I remember just growing in my love for my home group people and wanting that for them too. And I remember it started kind of causing me to sin. I had to get out of it because I was, I was, I was like, let's read, you know, here's your homework. Let's all read Psalm 139, come back next week. Let's talk about it. Let's dive into it. And, you know, half people wouldn't show up. No one read it. And I would start getting mad and frustrated. And to the point where Kelly and I taught, we were like, we need to, we need to, this is not healthy for us anymore. So there definitely became this disconnect where the love for my group started growing because I started cherishing the word and I wanted that for them. But I was in a place that wasn't healthy anyway to where thinking like that was up to me to then mature them in the word and I'll just give them a lot of homework and they have to do it and it didn't go well. Yeah, Steve. Mm-hmm. Where you're coming to hear the leader talk for 45 minutes or an hour, yeah, yeah, that can definitely, and that can probably lead to, to the people showing up at the home group feeling like, why do I need to come? <laughs> they don't want to hear what I have to say. Um, okay, so let's go on to the next one: content. I label this 2A because 2B will be about preaching, which is a big one. Um, so content. Most home groups meet with the purpose of going through some type of Bible study, right? So we're talking about these ones here. Most know, like we should be doing this. We're a home group. We, we need to be just reading something and studying something. Um, but this can lead to things like autonomous groups. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that the leader has full control over the content and what this group is going to do. Uh, it's kind of like the thing if, if, I don't know, let's say you're in, a, you're in a startup church and they need a worship guy really bad really bad and you're like, hey, I'll do it. Well, every person, not every person, a lot of people that um, get the opportunity to pick the songs and stuff, they're going to pick the songs they love, right? Like, yes, I get to pick the songs. These are my favorite songs. And you're singing Michael W. Smith. You're singing all these, these things. And you're like, wow, that was great in the 90s. Why are we singing that now? And I think the same thing can happen with, with this type of power in home group leader situations. They, oh, I read this book. This is my favorite book. And it may not be the best book theologically, but they love it. And they're going to make all their group go through it. Autonomy, not a good thing there. Um, consistency with other groups. This will lead to groups not being consistent with one another. Now, groups don't need to be, you know, a mirror with one another. Our groups here at GCF aren't. Um, but again, what I mentioned earlier about that, having space to move around the cabin, right? We have kind of our structure of what home groups should look like. But then there's room. There's room to, to do different things here. Um, so... The consistency part, though, when it's completely different, like same church and one group's going and doing this, that's all they do, and then one group's doing this, and that's all they do, probably not a good thing. Um, leader chooses curriculum. We talked about that. Books, books, and more books. Very little Bible. So the Bible's probably not going to be the main source that, that they jump on right away when they have an opportunity to do some type of study in a home group, right? It's going to be a book, most likely. Um, and then this can lead to very suggestive material. This can foster relativism within the discussion, right? A lot of what do you think type of questions. Well, here's what I think. 
you know, the author made this point here. You're, you're talking about this book. You're talking about the author. You're talking about the topics within each chapter of this book. But there's no underlying authority of Scripture anywhere to help level us, to help North Star, right, guide us in the right direction in this conversation. And that's huge. The other thing content can lead to is no books, no Bible, and just talk. That's kind of what they're joking about in that video we saw, right, where we're not reading anything, and we're just talking. What do you think this leads to? What are you going to talk about? What kind of things are going to come up? Gossip. Gossip, yeah. Sports. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yep. Politics. Yes. Yeah. Right? These are things that just naturally come up when you meet with a group of people and you want to talk because silence is awkward. So then what do you talk about? You talk about sports. You talk about politics. Maybe a little bit of gossip about so-and-so at the church and what's going on or Something you're not happy about with church leadership. And lastly here, nothing to talk about with topical sermons. Now, I will preface this with this. Topical sermons in of themselves are not bad. They are not the devil. They are not <laughs> evil. They don't make a church unhealthy. We preach topically here from time to time as well. It comes down to balance, right? Balance. So we're going to look at topical versus expositional preaching and, and, and where this can kind of fall off the tracks, right? So when I say expositional preaching, what do I mean by that? Yeah, it could be verse by verse, chapter by chapter, but we're going through a book. Maybe, we're, maybe, it's a, maybe it is a topical, I would argue you can have a topical sermon that's still expositional, right? Maybe you're just, your topic's on something from a psalm. And you're, you're going right through that, but you're going verse by verse. You're looking at the scripture. What do I mean by topical? Five steps yeah, yeah, how to be a great dad and five steps for spiritual maturity, um, how to love your neighbor well. They're, they're topics. And the, the big difference that's easy to think about this is, is expositional preaching is letting the, the scripture dictate the topic. Right? We can all open the Bible right now and go to just any chapter and look at it and say, this is what this chapter is talking about, so therefore that is my topic. Topical is, I'm going to pick the topic and then go to the scriptures to find things that will help support that. And that's where it can get the, the responsibility, the burden is heavy on the, on the preacher at that point because you have to be a good steward of that. Because a lot of times what happens is the wrong verses are getting thrown in there because they say the hot word that they're preaching on with that topic and it can get messy. So, it's a risky thing. It can be done, and it can be done well, but it, it, it's risky. Now, what we're talking about here is when a church is topically preaching every Sunday. That's a problem because then it leaves you nothing to talk about, right? You meet for home group, and you're talking about these five steps of to be a great dad, and basically what's going to happen is everyone's going to say, like, I suck at being a dad. I totally get it. I'm going to work hard on these five steps, and then a week goes by, and they're like, nope, couldn't do it. <laughs> I'll try again next week, right? It's a focus on ourselves. It's a focus on our works. You're not getting a full diet of God's word. And when we're talking about cultural Christianity, what's really going to combat a cultural Christian and confront them with change and 
you know, challenge them with truth. It's going to be God's word. It's going to be the gospel. Um, yeah, expositional preaching fosters Bible reading and learning. We want to engage our mind, our brains. Topic, depending on, the, on what the topic is, um, it doesn't really do that much. It's more just going to make you feel either really, really happy and really good about yourself, or it's going to make you feel really bad about yourself. And there's no in-between, and there's no further step to do with that. So expositional preaching is going to really engage your mind. It's going to get you to think. And so now when you're in a group environment, you have something to talk about, right? You, can, you have scripture right here in front of you. You can talk about what challenged you in it. You can look at other verses. You have the authority there, but it should be touching everybody at that point versus being like, well, that's just not relevant to me. You know, Jesus dying on the cross, that's not, <laughs> it doesn't really relate to me, so I have nothing to say about it. Uh, preaching, uh, I'm on B, man-centric doctrine, right? Emphasis, uh, emphasis on our works. Do better, be better, try again next week, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And C, hits the heart, misses the brain. Leaves nothing to meditate on, focuses solely on feelings. That's what I was just talking about there. Misses the heart or hits the heart and misses the brain. It'll lift you up emotionally, make you feel good or bad about yourself, and that's about it. But it, it leaves you, you're not thinking about anything. You're not being challenged. So the content is huge when it comes to either cultivating cultural Christianity or combating it. All right, three, mission. This is another big one. No understanding of mission will leave groups to go unchallenged. And, and talking about the leader again, right? There's no direction. There's no vision. Why, why am I doing a home group? What happens when my home group grows? What do I do then? What's the playbook? Um, what happens if my home group becomes all 20-year-olds? Is that good? Is that bad? Is that what we want? Is that what we're looking for? Is it not? What do we do? Mission would probably be one, I would say, at the core of the issue here. And, and, you know, and it kind of trickles down to all kinds of things, communication issues um, and hypergrowth when that happens. And we're talking thousands of people. You just can't get a grip on this. You can't control. It gets out of, out of control. You can't meet with every leader. You can't ensure the mission is being uh, built and executed on. And so it just, this is a free-for-all. Um, this, this is what then fosters closed groups. How many of you know somebody or, or even yourself um, have heard someone talk about like a home group being very much like a click and it was a turn off and they left because of that, right? This is probably ground zero why that happens. Naturally, if you're going to start a group of people, which group of people are you going <laughs> to elevate towards, right? Cling to. Probably people like you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that have the same views as you, the same thoughts. And, and GCF honestly challenged me quite a bit in this, big time in this. Um, when, I, when, when we first started coming, there was a few people that was just like, oh, they're going to be in my home group? <laughs> Weirdo. And who knows what they're thinking about me? They're probably like, oh, my gosh, I got this guy? <laughs> we have the Lundbergs? Do they ever not wear sweats? <laughs> so we had a lot to work through too, yeah. Um, but, but seriously, this is, this is human nature, right? This is what we do. If, if, it, if left up to us, we're going to create our own groups of the people we like and the people we 
gravitate towards, and that's going to be our group. Is that healthy? Why? Not challenged? Yeah. And that sounds good, right? Yeah. good it sounds good it sounds like it makes sense i mean there's some some people i know that have been in a home group for over 12 years together same people and that that looks good like wow what a great friendship they have that's fantastic but from a church perspective that's that's unhealthy yeah this is in the scriptures the, the church is talked about as like different parts of the body mm-hmm. and bodies don't really function if you got a whole bunch of hands and no feet or yeah. a whole bunch of noses and no ears like that there there has to be a well-rounded representation of the body, and we all have different giftings, so it's really important for us to all serve with our different giftings together. Yeah, that that is, you hit the nail on the head with that. That's exactly right. That's what we should be thinking, and, and here's the thing with that, too. If it's all like-minded people, and, and you're all hands, and you don't have any of the other body parts, the feet, and, and the ones that you look at, you know, I, I had to repent. I mean, I'm being dead honest about this. There were some people who were just like, they are weird as a family. Like, I don't understand what, why they do what they do. I'll never connect with that person. And literally after a couple years, I just ended up loving that person so much. This one guy, I just, he, he was amazing. And I'm like, man, if I had never been challenged in this area, and I grew so much from that and humility, and just seeing that, yeah, this guy's different than me, but he, they blessed our group night after night. They would drop those, those nuggets, you know, those bombs of just like, whoa, I can't believe that came out of him. Uh, and then it changes when you see communion. When you see people come up for communion and you see that person, you're like, man, I love that couple right there. They're weird, but I love them. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's a great point, Lizzie. And something else we don't think about. Kelly, tell me about sandpaper people. What's a sandpaper person? And why do we need them? Yeah. Yep. And we naturally will want to avoid sandpaper people. And that's why we want to be in group with all the people we like. Right? And ironically, there's still drama that's going to happen, but it's drama that we don't talk about. And it's very sinful drama because it's things you're all thinking in your heart towards your good friends. And you talk about each other behind, you know, their backs. <laughs> it just gets ugly. But to your point, Lizzie, one of the other beautiful things that God has built into just community of, human beings, we need sandpaper people. We need people that 
we're going to have to wrestle with in our because it exposes our sin, right? It exposes our own issues. When I'm looking at someone, I'm like, you're weird because you live that way. That's my issue. That's not them. And that, that is not something that you get rid of overnight. I mean, I'm still working on that. But praise God that I have the opportunity to work on that, right? So that's another kind of hidden, I would say, blessing and benefit of uh, a home group that has diversity in age groups and ethnicities and even, like, what you like, like-mindedness, right? Is, is it helps to grow you in that, yeah. Wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, multi-generational home groups, there's nothing more beautiful than that. And I, I just love, love, love. I always go out of my way. If there's an older couple in our home group uh, that, that come, like, just thank them so much. Like, thank you for not coming in and be like, oh, it's all young people, I'm out. Because it's such a blessing to have the mix. And then you talk to folks here who are older and like, oh, we're so blessed by this younger couple. We get a chuckle out of them because they'll say these things. We're like, yeah, you just wait. You know, there's just, it's back and forth. It's blessing always around. So yeah, that, that, that should be the aim. But we don't naturally go towards that. And, and that's the thing that we need to, you know, realize. And, and it's going to push us and it's going to be hard. But it's so much um, of a blessing. Uh, one of the other things on this topic too, when it comes to mission, we had a couple in our home group that we had to ask to, to join another one just because of where they lived. It just made more sense. And I did not want them to leave at all, at all. Uh, and it was one of those hard things where we came to this moment, you know, we've been a home group for a few years now and we, we have a great tight group of people. And I was like, man, I do not want to do this, but it just made sense. And so I called them and asked them, said, hey, Based on where you live, there's this new group starting up. It would make so much sense for you guys to go there, and you would be a blessing to them. And, um, you know, they thought about it and prayed about it, and they did it. What a, what an amazing picture of maturity and just focus on the goal, the mission. Because that's hard to do, right? I mean, when we had to leave the Haycox home group, that was hard. We, we had relationships with everybody there, and that was a hard thing. But it, it, it's done beautiful things since. So... Vision on growth, what happens when your home groups, you know, get big and we want to branch and we want to grow. This isn't church strategy on growth, right? Like, oh, this is our, you know, kingdom growth strategy. We're just going to duplicate and multi you know, multiply and we're going to just fill Spokane with our home groups. No, it's just about wisdom. It's wisdom on what we feel God wants for us as people and how we best grow and how we're challenged. So mission is a big one. Um, see... Uh, I heard this from a, a friend. I loved it because it's so true. Uh, unclear vision will naturally lead to groups turning into Christian happy hour. Uh, it's so true. Our group turned into that uh, at our last church. It really was just a Christian happy hour. We might as well just have all gone to the bar and hung out and kind of watched the game on the side. I mean, it just so easily goes that way. So last one, accountability. We'll cover real quick. This is often... Avoided. This is probably the biggest one avoided. I think it's clear why, like who wants to be vulnerable, who wants to open themselves up uh, and say, here's all my ugly things. <laughs> what do you think? Um, the problem with this is isolation wins. 
right? We, we know what happens in isolation. That's the devil's playground. He wants us to be isolated. And for the cultural Christian, if you're isolated, then point B here, sin wins, right? You don't know. If you're not challenged, then you get stuck in your own loop of your own theology and your own beliefs that, hey, I'm a good person. I'm morally good. I'm going to be okay. Um, yeah, I'm wrestling with these things, but I don't need to share them because all humans kind of sin and we all have our, we all have our things. Um, and I can just keep them to myself. I'm not hurting anybody with these things, but I'm just going to kind of play the part of being a Christian and we're never going to talk about it at group. So that's great. I'm never going to be challenged with that. So we're all going to show up to, to group. We're all going to look our best. We look like we have everything put together, but then there's nothing that ever helps to challenge us to get out of that and to actually expose some things that, that, um, need to be talked about and shared. Any other thoughts on accountability? Or things that, again, that you've experienced differences between maybe groups at other churches you had been to? Or blessings you've seen from ones here? Yeah, yeah, well said. Absolutely. They're a beautiful thing. They're hard, but they're beautiful. And it's funny when we always talk about things that are hard that turn into beauty and we have a surprise because that's exactly what the Lord tells us. That's our path to sanctification. It's through suffering. It's through pain. It's through hard things. It's through being challenged. It's not an easy road to walk. Um, and, and that's clear in scripture. So this all kind of falls in line with that. Um, so yeah, so pray Continue to pray through this series with people that you know that are in your life that maybe you're thinking about uh, that are like, man, maybe this person is a cultural Christian, right? Uh, even things in your own heart of any of these areas. These are all four, these four topics that we've gone through these last four weeks are, are huge. And there's a lot of areas that even as I was preparing them was like, oh man, I'm, I'm guilty of that or I wasn't aware of that. So pray through this um, while we're going through this study. Uh, I think it would be wasted if we weren't looking at ourselves um you know if we're only looking at other people that come to mind i do want to spend time i think uh sometime after the holiday break we might just do a prayer during a sunday school and just to pray for those um that are struggling with this area of cultural christianity that may you know rely on their good works and things and think they're good but just completely missing the gospel so that would be huge but it's been a great series enjoy the break three weeks and then we're going to hit the gospel uh, for three weeks right after that, and starting on the 7th. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for just guidance here, and we just pray for our service this morning. Pray for Pastor Jeff. Pray for us. Pray for, for um, ears to hear this message as we open up your word, as we recap Mark and what a blessing it's been. God, we pray that you are magnified and worshiped 
um, in spirit and in truth this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.